Well, you know, we're in the middle of our series around you know, Jesus, uh, Jesus our. Uh, and so for the last few weeks, we've had from Pastor Peter, we had you know, Jesus our hope uh, to kick it off. And, and the whole thing was, you know, our hope is in Jesus. He really is our only hope. Uh, and it's because of him that we have hope. Yeah. Uh, Dan talked about our righteousness, that Jesus was our righteousness. And because we were saved, we were made righteous. Um, and uh, that's a really important thing because even righteous people do daft things. Uh, but we're still righteous, uh, even though we make mistakes. And then last week... Chris talked about uh, that Jesus was our shield and our defender. Uh, and, you know, I remember he had the picture of the Roman tortoise thing, you know, with all the shields and, and how that the shield was used to protect the soldiers and they could take ground and win victories because they were protected. And the same way, Jesus protects us and defends us and he goes before us and makes a way. And today... I'm going to talk about Jesus, our provider. Uh, and um, now I'm sure you all have instances where you've experienced this. But, you know, it's a bit more than just stuff. Um, so we're going to get into that in a minute. But uh, first, let's have a look at our theme scripture for the series. So Matthew 6, um, and it says, you know, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. And so today, we're really talking about the back end of that, the everything you need. Um, and I'm taking it that you do understand that uh, to get the everything you need bit, there's two bits in front of that. There's the seeking the kingdom of God, and then there's the living righteously. And those are the keys to unlocking the everything you need bit. Um, and so, um, so we're going to talk about that today. But first, I have a little story for you. A young woman brought her fiancé home to meet her parents. After dinner, her father asked the young man into his study for a chat. What are your plans, he began. I'm a theology scholar, the young man replied. Admirable, the father said, but what will you do to provide a nice home for my daughter? I will study and God will provide, he explained. And how will you afford to raise children? God will provide. The men left the study and the mother asked her husband, how did it go? He has no money or employment plans, the father said, but on the other hand, he thinks I'm God. <laughs> All right. Sometimes we get a bit misguided where our provision might come from, don't we? Um, the source of our provision is not necessarily our natural parents. Once, once you've left home, some kids go back home, but um, you know we did. Kelly's when we built our house, um, we left. We left our left. Kelly left home when we got married, and then we returned when we built our house. And uh, I think to this day we're the only ones that have returned. Uh, 
to seek the provision of the father-in-law <laughs> of a roof. Uh, yes. Uh, but yes, so we can seek uh, this provision in the wrong places, don't you think? You know, it's easy to see our jobs and our employment as the sole source of provision to meet our needs. But you know, while in a practical sense that's true, that's not really the way God designed it, designed us to operate. Uh, and um, so we're going to look at a little story. Um, Abraham, uh, you all know the story well. Uh, he, after many years of trying to have a son, he eventually has a son called Isaac. This is the promised son. And then one day God says to him, right, I want you to take Isaac up the mountain and uh, you're going to make a sacrifice. Just take Isaac, don't take a sheep or anything, just take Isaac and you're going to go up there and then uh, you're going to make a sacrifice. And uh, so Isaac says to him, well, you know, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham says, well, you know, God will provide. And gets up there, doesn't see anything, makes the altar, ties up the sun, puts him on, gets the knife out, and then just in the nick of time, like maybe the knife was up about to plunge, he's saying, like, lie still, don't move, I don't want to miss. Um, and then, you know, and then God says, wait, wait. And then in the bushes, there is a ram waiting for them. And then, if you read a little bit further on, the stories in Genesis 22, you'll see that Abraham then called this place uh, Jehovah-Jireh, the Lord will provide. Um, and in there, he shows us this powerful uh, story or um, theme of, well, when we're prepared to lay the things that are most precious to us on the line, we were prepared to give them up to God, that God comes through and he makes way. Yeah. And he takes the thing that we, that's so precious to us that we say, here God, you have it. And he makes a way, brings about a miracle in a way that we would never have expected. You know, I don't know how that ram got into the bushes or how Abraham didn't see it. Maybe it was that God had blinded him temporarily. Maybe it was that God was literally just waiting for Abraham to put the sun on the, on the altar and then just put the ram in the bushes. And those things make noise. You know, they're stuck in the bushes, it's going to make some noise. So God had to have turned up for there to be a positive outcome to that scenario. And what we learn from that is that God is our source. He is our only source. It is where the best things come from. Apostle Paul, he learned this uh, in Philippians 4. So we'll read it. Um, it says, How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. No, you have always been concerned about me, but you didn't have a chance to help. Not that I was ever in need for I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. 
And we'll skip a few verses. We'll pick it up again in verse 18. At the moment, I have all I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me from Epaphroditus. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which has been given to us in Christ Jesus. And now all glory to God our Father forever and ever. Amen. See, Paul had come to understand that it was only Christ who could meet his needs in the same way that Abraham had. See, Paul knew that it didn't really matter whether he had a full stomach or not, but that as long as he had his his Lord and Saviour, he could do everything. That, uh, That God had gone before him and made the way. He said that he has all he needs and more. He doesn't say whether he's got a full stomach or not. He doesn't say whether he's got nice clothes and you know, maybe a new pair of sandals, maybe a donkey with a few less miles on it, um, you know, maybe a new saddle for the donkey. He just says, I have everything I need. You know, and God is faithful to give us everything we need. So he is the source of our supply. You know, what happens when we go away from that source? Adam and Eve, they had everything. The garden was perfect. It was made just for them. But they let the devil get in their ear and he tricked them. He made them think that God had been holding out, that maybe there was something better that maybe they could be like God. And we know how that turned out. It didn't turn out so well. It ended up with them leaving the garden and sin entering the world. See, he is the source of our supply. In Revelations, it says he is the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He was there at the beginning It's all through him. He'll be there at the end. Everything begins and ends with him. And what does provide actually mean? Well, it comes from Latin words, actually two Latin words. One meaning pro, uh, pro being before or in, in advance, and vide, which is to see. So it's to see in advance. You think about that. Every time you see that word in the Bible, what it's saying is God has gone in advance. He has seen in advance. You will see in advance. And he provided for Abraham, he provided for Adam and Eve, and he still provides for us today. You see, he can make a way in the wilderness He can cause streams to dry up. He can bring refreshing even in the desert times. You know, over Christmas, uh, one of the things I love to do when I'm on holiday is to do some DIY or get out in the garden and and achieve something. Um, And my colleagues at work think I'm mad because they go away, you know, they lie on the beach or they just sit at home and read a book or they go overseas. 
that I like to do something at home. You know why I like to do that? It's because I like the solitude. I like to be able to put my earmuffs on. I like to be able to put the tool belt on or start the lawnmower up. don't really enjoy mowing the lawn, but what I enjoy is the time of solitude and refreshing. That's where I get refreshing. So while I might be physically exhausted when I get back to work and quite sore, I'm actually really quite refreshed. And so, you know, that's kind of what Jesus does for us. He can refresh us in circumstances that seem to not be that way. He can split the sea. He can move mountains or any barrier. He can make it so we walk through on dry ground. You all know the story of Moses and the Egyptians. He can conquer any giant, bring about any victory. He can close the mouths of lions and make us safe. He can open prison doors and set us free. He can protect us from flames of adversity. He can carry us through any storm. He can even provide free transport in the form of a fish. Think Jonah. He's the God of miracles. He never changes. He's the same yesterday. He's the same today. He's the same forever. He's always working on your behalf, behind the scenes where you can't see, in the place where you see there's no way out, and the struggle where you see that there's no solution, he's already gone ahead of you. You know, just like Abraham, we need to lay those things down with him. Every worry, every care, we need to be reminded that today he is with us. He knows where we are. He knows where we're going. He knows what we're doing. Um, you know, there's that story, the footprints in the sand. Um, I'm sure you've all heard it, where you know, there's two footprints in the sand, and um, the guy says to God, you know, look, at this point, there's only one set. Uh, why did you leave me? And God says, well, actually, you got it wrong. I didn't leave you. I picked you up and I carried you. Um, and, you know, that's such a powerful picture of what God does, is that when we are, have no strength, He will pick us up and carry us on. All right, Luke 9. So now Peter and I didn't talk about this, but this is the same story that Peter referred to this morning about the loaves and fishes. Um, So let's read. Uh, The apostles returned. So they've been out ministering, um, and they told Jesus about everything they'd done. Then... He slipped quietly away with them, so he took them quietly toward the town of Bethsaida. But the crowds found out where they were going and followed them. He welcomed them, taught them about the kingdom of God, and healed those who were sick. Then late in the afternoon, the twelve disciples came to him and said, Send the crowds away to the nearby villages and farms so they can find food and lodging for the night. There is nothing to eat here in this remote place. But Jesus said, you feed them. But we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Or are you expecting us to go and buy enough food for this whole crowd? For there were about 5,000 men there. 
Jesus replied, tell them to sit down in groups of about 50 each. So the people all sat down. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish. He looked upward to heaven and blessed them. Then seeking, breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread, the fish to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. They ate as much as they wanted and afterward the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. Everything we need and more. What can we learn from that story? Well, you know, I mentioned that I like solitude. That's how I recharge. But there's a part of this where rest is important. That, you know, at the end of the day, Jesus and the disciples slipped quietly away. They were going to rest. Uh, And we all naturally need rest, don't we? We can't all stay up all night and then get up the next day or go to work and function. Our bodies need rest. Um, But, you know, when things aren't aligned with God, that rest isn't really that good, is it? Your time out isn't really that good when there's things in your life that are unresolved, when there's things in your life that are contrary to what God would have for you, then your rest isn't really that great, is it? You feel unsettled. You feel uncomfortable. You're not able to really uh, refresh. And uh, and Leonardo da Vinci, I think he captures it like this. Every now and again, go away. Have a little relaxation. For when you come back to your work, your judgment will be surer, since to remain constantly at work will cause you to lose the power of judgment. Go some distance away because then the work appears smaller and more of it can be taken in at a glance and lack of harmony or proportion is more readily seen. It's important that we take time to look and see the things in our lives that are out of kilter with what God, with the picture that God is wanting to paint in our lives. You see, in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. It's in him that we find our rest. It's in him that we find peace. It's in him that the worries and troubles of the world can fall away. You see, real rest is accomplished when we give God control of things that really we never had to begin with. You know, I often wonder why it takes us to get to the end of our tether before we give things to God. Don't you think it would just be a bit easier if we recognized a bit earlier, saved ourselves some pain and laid stuff down early on? Isaiah 30.15 says that in repentance and rest is your salvation. You know, if we were to switch out that word rest for Christ, that would be equally valid. You know, we find our rest in Christ. You know, in repentance and rest in Christ is our salvation. So, 
you might find yourself overwhelmed. You might find yourself not really knowing what to do. You know, the answer is simply to say, Dear God, help. It's that simple. You know, in Deuteronomy, it talks about um, the all the laws about what the Israelites were supposed to do and not do. And in there is uh, some passages about how they are to treat their land. And uh, in Deuteronomy 28, it says that, sorry, Leviticus 25, um, that you're supposed to give the land rest in the seventh year. Because land needs rest. Because rest renews. It refreshes. It prepares you for the next season. You know, it's not just rest for the sake of rest. It's rest to refresh, repower, um, to gain energy to push on to what God has for you next. So rest is preparation. In Psalm 91, it says, Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. It is only in Him that we find our rest. You know, Jesus and the disciples, they were going to go and have some rest. And they did that. And then they said, well, there's these people and they want to really need some help. They want to hear. So let's do that. And so Jesus switches gears and he says, right, now we're going to meet their needs. Uh, and so he met their needs first by telling them about the kingdom of God. That was their main need, wasn't it? You see... Of all the things that we need, we need salvation first. That's the most important thing. And um, he provided that solution in advance. He's gone ahead of us. In Ephesians, it says, He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his Son and forgave our sins. Something we couldn't do ourselves, we can't do for ourselves. It was a bridge too far, but he made a way. So he first dealt with their salvation. Then he dealt with their body. You see, he gives examples of healing uh, he heals those who need it, he touches those who need it, and he rebukes those who need it. And he feeds those who need it. But the disciples, what did they do? They looked at the need, talking about the food now. The need to feed them was great. There were 5,000 men. I don't know how many women and children there would have been. They looked at the time. It was getting late. They checked the budget. They had none. 
And they told Jesus, you do it. Well, I think Jesus' reply or response is really quite amazing. It's almost like he says, you know, why can't you? It's, it's like an object lesson in, uh, in stepping out in faith. Uh, and so he, he gets the bread uh, and he just does the most simplest of things. You know, he prays to his heavenly father and then they just give it out and it goes further than they ever could have imagined. They, he took a step of faith. Hudson Taylor, uh, who's a well-known missionary to uh, China uh, in the 20th century, uh, he said this, God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. He provides all our needs. And he cares for us so deeply that you, you might think that your need is insignificant or you might think that it's too much, but it's not too much for him. You see, he knows about sparrows. He cares for sparrows. He knows when one falls out of the nest. And there's this hymn um, that, uh, if you've seen the movie Sister Act, it's an old one, um, there, the main character sings the song, His Eye is on the Sparrow. And it goes like this. Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home? When Jesus is my portion, my constant friend is he. His eye is on the sparrow and I know he watches me. Whenever I'm tempted, whenever clouds arise, when songs give place to sighing, when hope within me dies, I draw closer to him, for he, for, from care he sets me free. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he cares for me. That is our Lord and Saviour. He made a way for all of our needs to be met. Paul knew it. Abraham experienced it. You know, in the, um, the giving out of the food uh, and you know, splitting the bread and the fishes, you know, there's a tremendous act of faith there. Not so much perhaps by the disciples, but by Christ. Um, and, you know, he provides ways for our faith to be stretched. Abraham's faith stretched the limit. He's got his promised son there ready to go. Matches are there, kindling's chopped up. Um, stretched the limit. But God provides all the time. And when they're providing this food, you know, the people weren't affected by, uh, by beyond having their immediate need met. The emphasis isn't on anything except Jesus. He provided faithful disciples, and he was, gives us a reason to believe. If I could have the worship team up. You know, there's a, another hymn. Um, that uh, my mother used to sing and my grandmother. Um, 
And it's called God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for me. He will be my guide, walking close beside my side. With love and strength, each new day, he will make a way for me. See, provision of rest, of your needs, of salvation and faith are all available today. They're all available to those who seek God and live righteously. Maybe today that's you. Maybe today your world is in chaos. Maybe you just can't get a good night's sleep. Maybe you have a material, emotional or spiritual need. Maybe you need salvation or maybe a bit of extra faith. Christ can provide all of those. Only he can provide all of those. He provided them then, he provides them now. He has made the way for us to find true rest. He has promised to provide for all of our needs, our salvation and our growing faith. Isaiah 43 says, For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers and dry wasteland. He will make a way for you where there seems to be no way. The toughest of situations, they seem to be God's specialty. A son on an altar about to be sacrificed is a pretty tough situation. A crowd of 5,000 worth only five loaves and two fishes is a pretty tough situation. But you know, God has it all figured out. He's worked it out even before you were born. He's gone ahead of you. Even when we can't see, he's there. He has a plan. He has a purpose. He can make a pathway through anything. And it's in those situations, the most hopeless of hopeless, where God's power has the opportunity to come through. It's in those times when we come to the end of ourselves where we depend on God, where we switch from depending on ourselves or anything we have or anyone we know. It's in those times that we're reminded that we're totally reliant on him. Let's take a moment, if you'd all close your eyes. Maybe you're sitting here today And maybe you're feeling that God's saying to you to stretch your faith beyond what you can see. Now, if that's you, I want you to ask God to show you what that step of faith is. Whatever the step is, you can be confident that he will give you the strength and the peace to do it. See, Psalm 29 says, The Lord gives his people strength. The Lord blesses them with peace. If that's you, just simply need to say, Lord, help me. 
If you have another need in your life, you might need a job, you might have a health problem, you might you know, need a new car, you might have family problems. You know, God has already made a way. Why don't you give that to God? Why don't you trust him to work on your behalf and bring about a resolution? You see, if he can feed people with five loaves and two fishes, he can deal with your problem too. You know, he says, come to me, all those who are weary and heavy burdened. Lay your burdens down today. It's as simple as saying, Lord, I give this to you. I need your help. Please help me. I can't do it without you. Isaiah 40, 31 says, but those who trust in the Lord will find strength. They will find new strength and they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary, walk and not grow faint. So if you're struggling with a need, you can trust that the Lord will give you strength, that he will help you to soar above it, that you will be able to run and not grow weary, walk and not grow faint, that the situation will not win because God has already gone ahead of you. Maybe today you feel restless. Maybe you're not able to sleep. Maybe there's things in your life that God's putting a finger on that you need to get rid of. You know, the rest that you seek is only found in Him. And if you want it, He's made a way for you. Maybe you don't even know Christ. You know, today you can know Christ. You know, He stood in the gap for us. He stood at the gates, in the front of the gates of hell, and he said, no, I'm rescuing these ones. He's made a way for us to know him. In 1 John 1, it says, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Today, you can receive that. If you want to know this rest, only Jesus can provide it. And for you to receive that, you need to know the Jesus that I'm talking about. There's things in your life that God's putting a finger on for you. And I want you to raise your hand today. All eyes closed, all heads bowed. I want you to raise your hand because I want to pray with you. You don't need to be scared. No one's looking. It's no one else's business. It's just between you and God. If God's speaking to you, then please raise your hand. Thank you. I see that. I see that. What you lay down at God's feet, He will pick up. Leave it there. He will pick up 
lay it at the cross, leave it there. If you don't know Jesus, then today could be your day that you find your Saviour. I promise you will not regret it. It's the best thing you could ever do. If that's you, then why don't you raise your hand now? If you'd like to know this Jesus that I'm talking about, then raise your hand. You know, in the parable of the lost sheep, there was great rejoicing when the lost sheep was found. That one sheep, there was great rejoicing. That's what happens when one person turns to Christ. There is great rejoicing in heaven because you have gone from death to life. If that's you, would you raise your hand? All right. All right, now, those who raise your hand, if you would be brave enough, the rest, actually, the rest of us, will you all stand up? We're going to sing in a minute. But those who raised your hand, would you be brave enough to come down the front? And I will pray with you. Pastor Peter will pray with you. The elders will pray with you. If you come now, that would be great.